Hi, I'm Amanda and welcome to Self. On this podcast, I share ideas and experiences and have conversations to explore the self. By developing our own self-awareness, we can better show up for ourselves and those around us and hopefully all live happier and healthier lives. Today's episode is the final part of a three-episode series on attachment styles, and I'll be talking through just a few tips to help manage your attachment style and how to also support and show up for loved ones or your partner when you become aware and can understand their attachment style as well. When I originally set out to record this topic, I decided to break it up into three parts because I thought I would be able to give it a bit more time and to hopefully do the topic justice. What I've come to realize though is that attachment styles is a massive undertaking and there's so much depth to it. Of course, it's not that I was naive to that, but I think I thought, all right, I'll be able to kind of condense it and take some important parts and communicate that. And I think that's perhaps what I've hopefully been able to do, but I do recognize that there's so much more that we could go into. And I think down the line, I would really like to revisit this and go into it more with a professional. You know, my perspective here, my approach and all the, some of the information I've offered, you know, some of it's come from various resources that I've shared in the show notes. And then some other things are just my own personal experiences. So this is very much a personal, not professional perspective. And I do realize a part of me feels, um, I suppose, a certain amount of imposter syndrome because I'm not qualified at all as a psych, um, as a therapist, or as someone who's an expert on this topic. And I certainly don't claim to be. Um, It's just something that I am so interested in and I've done work with. So I have found it very valuable as a tool um, to understand myself better. And as a result, it's really shaped my communication skills and recognizing patterns within myself. So that's really why I, I wanted to speak about attachments in the first place. And, you know, I hope that it's brought some value to you. And please let me know if it has, but I should make it clear that whatever information comes from this isn't a substitute for doing the work and working through unmet attachment needs, any wounds and stuff that you might have with a professional. I think that's extremely important and I would like to preface this this episode by saying that. Um, There is such a wealth of information online on attachments and there are fantastic books, you know, and if this is something that you feel could be beneficial for you to explore, then, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, And today I'll be just sharing a few tools and some tips that I have that have helped me better understand my attachment needs and then how to manage them as they show up, particularly in relationships. And I think for me, a lot of it shows up um, in conflict in romantic relationships. So the first thing I would say is that there is a need to identify your attachment style. 
So if you haven't gone through the quiz that I suggested or read into this at all, then I highly suggest that you do that. Again, it, this is episode three of the series. So go back to listen to episodes one and two to get a bit more information if none of this is making sense. Just by working through some of these quizzes, it gets you thinking and jogging your memory on past situations, on your childhood, um, on certain behaviors that might have shown up in the past that you can recognize today, looking back retrospectively. When you can identify your attachment style, that's just information. That's all it is. I think it's important to not judge yourself with a label and then decide that it's good or bad, first of all, that it can't be changed or that it's always going to negatively impact every sphere of your life. So for me, looking at the results of my attachment styles and seeing that, okay, there is, you know, a pretty dominant, a significant part of me that is securely attached. Fantastic. And of course, ideally we'd all be moving towards a more, be becoming more securely attached. But there are these other parts of me. There are these other attachment styles that exist in me. I'm, I'm part anxious, avoidant, disorganized. And as I shared in the last episode, we are kind of a makeup of these things and no one's ever just 100% of something. Being able to understand what your attachment style is, is just something that can inform you. Something that was also then helpful for me is journaling. So what I would recommend then is to journal about past feelings, behaviors, key chains of thinking, um, experiences that have come up for you in relationships. And this could be either with your parents, with friends or in romantic relationships. So I shared a bit about how my attachment style really impacted past relationships and different behaviors that showed up. Something that um, has been helpful for me are like some other different online resources I've read. So I'm going to read one from an account called The Secure Relationship. And this is a resource I highly recommend. I'll link it in the show notes. And she breaks down what an unmet attachment need is and then how it shows up for the different styles. And it really kind of breaks up attachment theory in a nutshell. And it's so, it makes a lot of sense. So I'm reading this directly off a post that um, she put up. She being a uh, psychotherapist, Julie Menino. So the unmet attachment need here that she's recognized is my partner said something that leaves me feeling unappreciated. So the unconscious core belief of self and or others for a secure person is I'm worthy of appreciation. So this is a temporary state which can be repaired of an anxious person is I'm not lovable. And this is just proof my partner doesn't even care about me. An avoidant person believes I'm not worthy of appreciation. I'm going to be viewed as a failure no matter what I do. And a disorganized person believes people can't be trusted. Nobody is safe. I'm always under attack. The important thing to recognize there is that's an unconscious core belief. So it might not even come to front of mind for you. So as I said, when you're journaling and thinking back on perhaps a particular conflict or something that has shown up 
or re- repetitively shown up. Just make note of these things. Was there something that deep down I was really telling myself that I can even be aware of or maybe there were some things that I wasn't? So vulnerability, the feeling there, what shows up for a person is for a securely attached person, my feelings are hurt but I trust that I'm safe. An anxious person, anxiously attached person, sorry. I feel so rejected, sad and alone. I'm being abandoned. Things are going to fall apart. Avoidant, I feel rejected and alone. My body feels it, but my brain isn't aware and I can't name it. Disorganized, I feel rejected, alone and attacked. I'm in danger. The protective feeling for each is discomfort or concern for the secure. Anger, indignant, overwhelmed by feelings for the anxious. Shame, disavowed, anger for the avoidant and numb or enraged for the disorganized. The behavior that then comes out for the secure is to talk about it, express feelings, seek reconnection and resolution. For the anxious is to show anger, the dysregulated, blame, criticize, silent treatment as protest. For the avoidant, defend self, counterattack, retreat to escape the situation, non-responsive, passive-aggressive. And disorganized is go to extremes, fight hard, run away, shut down, become destructive and or dissociate. So what I was saying about journaling and recognizing things retrospectively, I think the benefit of doing that rather than hyper-analyzing a very current and real situation that might have your nervous system quite triggered is you're able to just step back and, and observe yourself. So what was helpful for me was looking back and going, how did I behave in conflict? First of all, what was the behavior that showed up on the outside? So when I look at this post and hear for the disorganized, going to extremes, fight hard, run away, shut down, become destructive and or dissociate. Yeah, there are things there that's very familiar. I would fight hard. I would be like, let's take this on, confront it right now. And no matter how you're feeling, I need you to be here and we're going to fight it out. I don't think I really ran away much. I wasn't someone who pulled away. Um, but yeah, I, I would. There were times when I would shut down and I think becoming destructive for sure was something that I did. So I would journal these and again, look at yourself without a view of judgment. It's observing and it's recognizing patterns within ourselves. So seeing that, hey, each time when my partner may have brought something up to me and I felt um, unappreciated, this is the behavior that showed up as a result, whether it was like my partner or my parents, you know, in times when my parents may have brought something up and and that's not to say that someone's brought this up in a healthy manner or in a way that's constructive. Perhaps they have come at you with a bit of blame. And so it's normal to, you know, immediately feel a bit defensive. But then the behavior that can show up from, from that is, is that something that I can recognize, hey, that's not my thing. They're just whatever in a bad mood and I can step back and we can discuss it later. Or am I feeling very dysregulated the moment that I feel unappreciated and then I have to go into attack mode or pull away whatever it is. So journal, 
if journaling is something that you don't enjoy doing, um, I would recommend that you give it a go anyway and just start it. If it's not journaling, then perhaps speaking it out loud and recording it, which might be a bit more strange to be like, not because it is objectively strange, but just like the feeling of talking out loud into something. I can tell you from recording a podcast, it is really strange for me to be looking into a camera week on week and just record and not talk to a person. So I personally really prefer journaling. There's something quite powerful as well in writing down feelings and thoughts and processing through writing uh, that can help bring things to surface and, yeah, move through it in a very unique way. So that's my second thing. So first thing is identify and understand your attachment style. Second, journal, become aware and note down any patterns that you identify. And then that's looking back retrospectively. And then I would now look at things that you notice in your behaviors today. Are you repeating patterns from the last decade in relationships? Is each time, you know, obviously each relationship is different. Each individual is different in romantic or in friendships, but notice something today. If you're seeing someone and you send them a message and they see the message and you can see that they've seen it and they don't reply immediately. Is there an immediate reaction that shows up in your body? Is there an anxious feeling? Are you thinking this person doesn't care about me? I'm not worthy to be loved. I'm not valuable. Are you thinking stuff them? I can't be bothered. I'm just going to pull away. I'm going to block them, you know, whatever they haven't responded in this adequate time that I've set. Are you someone who's like going to bombard them and go, hey, I've seen that you've seen the message. Why aren't you replying? Or are you someone who can go, the only thing I know right now is that someone hasn't responded to my message and I'm just going to give it time and space and that's okay. So being able to recognize the immediate reactions that show up for us currently, I think gives a really good indication of where you are and what certain attachment style comes out depending on that relationship. So if you are in, say, a romantic relationship with someone who each time you might express certain feelings, you know, and that person completely pulls away, becomes defensive, feels the need to attack you back um, or they, yeah, retreat and block you out. What then surfaces for you? What comes out? What, What then do you do? How do you behave in that situation? Is there then a need to to chase and pursue and force this person out, force them into conversations, you know, by recognizing these patterns? And, and I'm really saying this from the perspective of someone who's been there and I have been the person who when someone's retreated from me, I've gone to chase and pursue. That's the anxious part of me that's come out. Yeah, so write down these things and be very honest and truthful to yourself. 
I know that these things are uncomfortable to face. I know that going inwards, not only that it's one thing to recognize behaviors and then we can whatever, perhaps find excuses or justify. It's another thing to then go deep inside and go, where does this come from? What is the deep feeling? What What is the fear associated in those moments when someone pulls away from me or when someone doesn't respond to my message in a timely manner, in what I've decided is a timely manner? How does it feel in my body? And then what thoughts arise? And again, this is an exercise of observation to become aware and to inform you. And I guess all of this, as I said, I mean, this episode is talking about tips to manage your attachment styles. And for me, the greatest thing, first of all, is the self-awareness to actually see where you're at and how your attachment style is showing up. Because without all of that, without understanding a better picture of yourself and really being honest and seeing yourself, it's hard to then actually implement anything afterwards. So there is work that's needed. You know, all of this information I can give you, you can read about and you can do the, you know, look up resources and you can do quizzes and you can be told something and we can be receiving all of this information, but it's just learning and learning isn't a replacement for doing. So simply learning about all of this and not doing the work isn't ultimately going to be helpful or beneficial. Um, And my hope is that through receiving a lot of this information that by doing some work, we're all able to shift ourselves into being clearer communicators, to being more securely attached, because ultimately that does lead to happy and healthier relationships. Okay, so identify your attachment style, journal, notice past patterns, notice current behaviors, thought patterns, and what's showing up in current relationships. Notice in your body what shows up for you. So Again, like I said, what what sensations actually arise somatically when someone doesn't text back? Is there an elevated heart rate? Is there sweating? Are you noticing, you know, the heat within your body rising, your fist clenching, just recognizing when when you realize something, I guess like when you're taking in information oh, this person hasn't texted back, the immediate thought and then those sensations in the body. All of this is, uh, I suppose, just various tools to become aware of yourself first. Um, And then from there, I believe what's important, first of all, is compassion for yourself and for others. So compassion for yourself, what that looks like is going, okay, I can recognize that all of these things show up. I can recognize that a lot of these behaviors aren't healthy and they're not constructive in the way that they show up in a moment of conflict. But I can also give myself 
this compassion, this grace, because I know that this comes from an attachment wound from, you know, from childhood, from a past relationship, whatever it is. And I can understand that this might not be what I desire. This isn't the ultimate outcome that I desire. It's something that is coming out quite reactively, but is something that I can work on slowly. And it doesn't make me less valuable as a person, doesn't make me unworthy. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be stuck here forever just because this is where I am now. So a bit of understanding for yourself and compassion to go, hey, you're not a bad person just because some of these behaviors exist, you know, and and come out in you. Compassion for others for me looks like a recognition that when someone else behaves in a certain way reactively in the heat of the moment, when they've, for lack of a better word, been triggered or they're feeling hurt in some way, that it's not about you. It's about something much deeper within them. And that doesn't mean that you don't set boundaries. It doesn't mean that you put up with any kind of abuse or anything. But being able to look at people through a lens of compassion just means that you can understand, hey, there's so much more going on here. I don't have to get wrapped up in it and caught up in it. And I can still step away, not be a part of it, but I don't have to judge a person completely and take everything that they are and kind of, I guess, like reduce it down to one particular behavior. Especially because, you know, what attachment theory is all about is that these attach attachment is formed from a very, very early stage in the earliest years of our childhood. And it's with our primary caregivers. So it's stuff that's so beyond an individual's control. Um, I know that this can be exhausting and it's important to acknowledge for yourself the impact on you and your mental health. I've been there. I've been in a relationship where I was constantly trying to remain compassionate and pivot, trying to communicate more clearly, trying to, you know, be very aware of my partner's wounds and why he was showing up in that way, understanding, okay, he's an avoidance. So this is what's going on for him. I can understand all of that. But if a person isn't yet willing or able to recognize that within themselves and do the work to resolve that or do the work to help change the circumstances, it's very difficult to be the only one who's currently working at it to maintain um, a connection and a relationship. So having compassion is not at the cost of your own, you know, I think, sorry, having compassion is one thing. And then another is obviously just like staying in something and constantly giving yourself. So you can remain compassionate and kind and leave a situation. 
So that's another thing is maintaining a perspective of compassion and then stepping out in courage and leaning into vulnerability. As someone who quite openly shares about, you know, my life here, I can understand that it's scary to confront and to face a lot of painful feelings and emotions that exist within you. Um, That's one thing. And then it's another to share, to share it with another person as well. You know, I have a fear of rejection. I have a fear of abandonment, of not being good enough. And through the work that I've done within myself, I decided that I really love myself as I am. And I am someone who comes with some complex needs, I suppose. I am a complex individual with many layers but I am proud of the person I am. I'm very happy with who I am and I continue to work on myself. And I am going to be honest and truthful about the person I am and the the right people will be in that space with me and people who don't vibe with that won't and that's all right. But that is scary because I do have a tendency to people please. I do. I have a tendency to want to belong and want people to like me. So leaning into vulnerability and being courageous for me looks like being authentic and honest and being truthful about about who you are to yourself first of all, about the behaviors that show up within you, the deep feelings, the deep fear And, you know, the thoughts that show up when they do, being able to then communicate that to another person and share that, that requires such a level of vulnerability, of course, and trust. And it requires courage because we're now sharing a piece of ourselves, I think, that we typically view as negative or as undesirable or broken And that can be scary, you know. So there is so much courage in being able to be honest first with yourself and then with others. And finally from that, it's communication. So compassion, courage, communication. I'm dropping some C's for you. Clear communication that, again, is honest and comes from a perspective of sharing about your experience without blaming another person. And this is a skill that I don't think we are taught. And if you're fortunate enough to have learned it from really communicative parents or something fantastic, I didn't learn this. And so it took me so long to be able to truly communicate just what was going on for me without blaming another person, without saying that you've done this to me because that just brings someone into a state of defense and just going, hey, this is what's showing up for me right now. So I want to give an example of that um, because I think that that's probably most relatable and pretty important. My partner and I are currently in a long distance relationship and you know, because I've been here in Japan and he's in Australia. Um, And he 
has some female friends. It's fantastic. I don't know them. I haven't met them yet. And he was telling me about, um, I don't know, just like stuff that he was getting up to. And my, I immediately noticed something within myself and it was like a little bit of jealousy, which would exist like honestly, just because I want to be there spending time with him. So that, you know, there's a sense of jealousy of like, oh, I wish like I was spending some time with you, but also just because they're the opposite sex, to be honest. And I felt this anxious part, certain beliefs, certain mistrust and stuff arising. And so I sat with it for a bit. I was like, okay, what's going on here? And, you know, like we, we were having a conversation about all these other things through his day and, and all of that. So I didn't raise it at that point. Um, and I went away, spent some time regulating what I was feeling within myself, understanding that, and then going, okay, what's actually showing up? All right. I think I'm seeing this picture. Cool. And then we spoke about it. So I was like, hey, I just want to share something that I've noticed within myself when you were telling me about your friends. I was like, I want to make it very clear, first of all, that I love that you have lots of friends. I'm the same. I've got lots of male friends um, and female friends. They're important. Friendships are important. It's something we both value. That's fantastic. This is not at all coming from a place of control or asking you to change any of your behaviors or change yourself at all. I love the person that you are. And I was like, what I noticed within myself when you were telling me about, you know, making new female friends was this um, feeling, you know, kind of like something that arose in me and it comes from a mistrust because my dad cheated. And so I have a deep fear inside of being cheated on. And it's a fear that's got nothing to do with you. It's not because I don't trust you. It's not because I don't think that you're a loyal and faithful partner because absolutely I do believe that you are. It's it's got nothing to do with you at all. It's just something that I noticed show up for myself. And so we have this conversation and he's like, I understand you. I, I, you know, thank you for telling me this here. Like he was really hearing where it was coming from and there was no, you know, he was like, I'm not going to change who I am. Like this is, you know, we can share these things. And it, something that was wonderful for me was just being able to talk about it, express it, and then realize like that's okay. It's okay for me to feel this. And I know trust is something that's going to be built over time and I do trust him. And it's not about, you know, changing his behavior or anything at all like that. There was no... I suppose, like result out of it, other than the fact that I could just be vulnerable and share a piece of myself as I am. And he's like, and that's okay that that's how you are. It's okay that you have these deep fears. And I understand, I I get why you have this and that's all right. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much it. There was like, you know, reassurance, of course, of our relationship and, and to be honest, it's not even that I necessarily needed that. I think just being able to lean in and be honest and connect with him provided this great space of security 
for us and just deepened our connection. For me, that was just like another step forward into, oh, this is someone who I can really be vulnerable and open with and I can tell him about these wounds that I have and there's no judgment and he's and he's there and he loves me and that's I think it's just such a great way of almost co-regulating um in a relationship so the the tip there about communication is being honest but really talking about it from your experience and your perspective without an expectation of someone you know, changing their behavior. It's, it's just, I'm here to be honest. So I think all of these tools can be applied both for yourself in better understanding your own attachment style and managing the way that you communicate it and share your needs or your experience, your feelings, but then also helps to, for you to understand another person's or, you know, your partner your family member, your friend, because when we have this perspective and I think when we're able to see ourselves better, we can also better see other people. So for me, being able to see um, how my, you know, anxious attachment has shown up for, for me, I really see it in other people. When my friends say certain things, I'm like, okay, I get this. And that really helps me to validate them, not that that's necessarily needed in order to validate a person, but I really can empathize and offer, um, I suppose, like perspective on that and just more compassion and understanding. Ultimately, for me, all of this comes back to being able to be more compassionate to myself and to other people. So if you have people around you who have an insecure attachment style and it really shows up in their behavior, then there's an opportunity there, I think, to take things down a notch. I can't, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, when you have a bomb and and then you go in and you insert word here. (laughs) I can't, oh, like just, I'm not thinking of the word on the spot. I want to dissolve is not the right word, Amanda. It's not that. It's what am I doing when I not disconnect? I bet if you're listening to this, you probably got the word. Oh my gosh, this is going to kill me. I I don't have it. I oh, this is so frustrating. Okay, anyway, we can move on from that. But yeah, when you notice behaviors in people and go, oh, okay, this is what's going on for them, rather than jumping in and making it worse and piling up on top, I think what we can do and what we have the power to do, because we can't control another person, but we can control ourselves, is to take a step back for a moment and just allow everything to settle through the way that we communicate, you know, and that can look like hey, I can hear that you're really frustrated right now and that, you know, you're emotional, you're feeling a lot of things. Can we take a moment to, you know, go, sorry. (laughs) Can we take a moment to just break that down? I'm feeling, you know, you can talk about yourself, like I'm feeling a little bit attacked and I don't want to get on the defense. So, you know, let's, 
let's sit down or let's take a few moments so that we can collect our thoughts and then come back in 10 or 15 minutes to talk about this. So it's just being able to, I think, manage the communication better in a way that also helps the other person when they're heightened to be able to process as well through, again, a lens of compassion. Yeah, there's been, this is quite a big episode. It's a bit longer than what I'd planned. Um, But I hope that some of these tips are helpful to you in managing, well, first recognizing your attachment styles and then secondly, managing certain behaviors, thoughts and feelings that come out. And finally, to better communicate that to, you know, your partner and to your loved ones. Um, As I said at the start and at the intro of this podcast, really my aim here is always just to share some of my own experiences in order to, I suppose, like help you as a listener to become more aware of things within yourself. I think for me, it's also a great way to process and to think about things within myself as well, because I do believe that becoming more self-aware is the greatest tool that we have in order to have better relationships with people. I would have loved to have gone into more specific tips for each attachment style. And if something, if that's something that you're interested in and would like, then please let me know. I think for some future episodes on attachment styles, I would love to get a professional in on the topic because I recognize, of course, that there's only so much that I can offer and there's such a wealth of knowledge out there and we should get someone in who really knows a lot more and is more of an expert on this. Um, As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting the show. I very much appreciate you being here. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review it. You can subscribe to me on YouTube. I would love that. And um, you can also give the show five stars on Spotify if you like it. Uh, And I'm always open to hearing feedback. I really enjoy getting messages from some of you telling me how something's helped in some way or what it's brought up for you to think about. I I love that because that's ultimately, honestly, all I care about here. That's why I do the show. Um, You can follow the podcast on Instagram at self double underscore podcast. You can follow me at Amanda Latran. That's Amanda L-E-T-R-A-N. I release episodes every Thursday and I will see you next week. Thanks and bye.